This is the one verse we're going to spend our time in. Listen to this word. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, this is a word that the Apostle Paul uh, gave. He wrote these words in this letter to a group of Christians that were living in the first century, a city called uh, Philippi. And just a little bit of context, they were experiencing persecution from outside of the church. In fact, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison because he's been preaching the gospel and he's writing to Christians who are also being persecuted in the Roman Empire. So they're experiencing pressure outside the church, but then they're also experiencing pressure and and conflict inside of the church. You see this in the beginning of Philippians chapter four, where Paul writes about these two women, these two women who were in leadership in the church in Philippi, who were in conflict, pressure outside the church, pressure inside the church. And in the midst of all that, Paul writes to them that they should let their gentleness be evident to all. And I think the reason why Paul includes this word in the midst of everything he says in Philippians 4 is because of this. This was true for them, it's true for us. When we feel pressure, when we're under pressure, when we're stressed, when we're angry, when we're tired, one of the first things to go out the window is gentleness. Like when stuff gets difficult and we're in relationship with other people, it's it's easy, it's cool to be gentle when everything is sweet. But when things get difficult, when things get heated up, one of the first things to go is gentleness. And Paul reminds these Christians and God reminds us that when the pressure is on, God still expects us as followers of Jesus to demonstrate gentleness to other people. And so what I want us to do is just define what gentleness really is. And then I want us to get real practical and talk about what that looks like. So what is gentleness? Well, for most of us, when we think about gentleness, we tend to think about softness or tenderness. And that's definitely a part of this concept of gentleness. But I want you to think about something for, for a minute because when we think about Jesus being gentle, yes, he was tender for sure. You see this throughout the Bible, but think about something. The Bible says that Jesus was fully God. He is fully God, but also that Jesus is fully human. In fact, he's not just fully human. He's also the model of, of perfect humanity, what it, what it means to be human without any sin whatsoever. That's why as you read the Bible, maturity or spiritual growth is just described as becoming more and more like Jesus. So, so when we think about gentleness, then Jesus is the ultimate model of gentleness. And so, yes, he was tender sometimes, absolutely, but if you know your Bible and if you're new to the Bible, man, you, you, you gotta think about this. Think about how Jesus talked to the scribes and the Pharisees. Like he came for the scribes and the Pharisees. He had very strong words. He used strong language sometimes when he talked to these hypocritical religious leaders. But also think about his actions. And this is where if you're new to the the Bible, you may not have read this, but you've definitely heard this story before. Listen to this. And we got to think about how to reconcile this with Jesus being gentle. John chapter 2 Verses 14 through 16. Listen to this, y'all. It says, In the temple, Jesus found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons 
and the money changers sitting there. So here's basically what happened. Jesus uh, knows that in the temple, there was this one section of the temple where the Gentiles were able to come in order to participate in worship. These were converts to Judaism, right? And so in that court of the Gentiles, some of the religious leaders had allowed that to become a place where they just made profit. They were essentially pimping people pimping religion for their own personal gain. Jesus knows about this. And so Jesus then, verse 15, it says, making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he pulled out the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. This is some real housewives type stuff. He comes into the temple, he pulls up, he flips over the tables, he runs them out. And then he told those who sold the pigeons, verse 16, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Now, this is what I want y'all to think about. Y'all, this was premeditated. This was premeditated. He, it doesn't say, John doesn't say he just grabbed a whip on his way into the temple. No, my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, he made a whip of cords. Like my man, I mean, not my man, you know what I'm saying? He's God. Like, like, my, like, like Jesus took the time. And just you guys think about this for a second. Think about his disciples being around him. I don't know if this was leather or what. He's like str making strands around. He's making a whip, premeditated, calculated. He's coming for these leaders in the temple. And I imagine that the disciples were like, Jesus, are we sure about that? You, you sure? You sure you want to run up in the temple with a whip? This was premeditated. And so here's why I bring this up, because if we're going to talk about gentleness and following Jesus as gentle people, if Jesus is the prototype of gentleness, then our definition of gentleness has to be able to get its arms around all of who Jesus is and everything that Jesus exemplified in his life and in his ministry. And so, so just so we're on the same page, gentleness is not a personality type. Like you don't get a pass on this because you would say, oh, I'm not a gentle person. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus is calling you to be gentle. Gentleness is not feminine. It is not a, a, a quality that we just ascribe to women. Fellas, you don't get a pass because you say, well, I'm a man. No, 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 no. Gentleness is not feminine. It's godly. And gentleness is not weakness. We see that in Jesus' example in the temple. Gentleness is not apathy in the face of evil. It's not complacency or passivity when there's a situation that requires action. So then what is gentleness? I want to give you a definition that I stole from the illustrious pastor, a good friend, Jordan Rice. He gave this definition a little while ago when he preached a sermon on justice and it was so helpful to me and I, I think it'd be helpful to you. So he said this, he says, gentleness requires moving all unnecessary force in order to accomplish a given task. Now for, in terms of what we're talking about today, let, let me put it this way, I, I will modify it a little bit for what we're gonna talk about. Gentleness requires removing all unnecessary force, and I would say in order to accomplish what's right. 
And so I want to get real practical. I want us to talk about then what does gentleness actually look like? Because that's real theoretical, but what does that look like just in my day-to-day life? So I want to give you six ways to grow in gentleness. Now, I know you're thinking, six ways, dog? You're already halfway through your sermon. I got you. We're going to move through this quickly, but I want to make this practical. And you may not even resonate with every single one of these, but I promise you, one of these points is going to be something that I think the Lord wants to do and help you grow in in your life. So here's number one. We know what gentleness is. Removing all unnecessary force, here's the first thing I want to point out to you in terms of what it looks like. Number one, a gentle person takes time to figure out the most appropriate response rather than being driven by their first emotional response. Let me say that again. A gentle person takes time to figure out the most appropriate response rather than being driven by their first emotional response response. And y'all, this is hard sometimes. It's just hard because so often we're controlled by our emotions in the heat of the moment because some of us feel like our feelings have to be expressed exactly the moment that we feel them. And I know some of y'all are probably laughing right now because you know what that's like. Some of y'all feel like, like if I feel this, if, if I have to let this out right now. It would be inauthentic. It would be fake. It would be weak for me not to let it be known how I feel in this moment. But listen, gentleness requires us. It requires us to think about what what is necessary in this moment, not just how I feel. Because listen, have you ever popped off on somebody prematurely? You popped off on them because you thought they did something. They didn't even do it. Or you've popped off on somebody about a situation. They did do something, but had you just pulled back for a second and thought it through, it would not have been as much of a big deal as it felt in the moment. Like later on, you've realized and you've had to come back to them and be like, hey, my bad, man. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we respond to people emotionally and sometimes our response is disproportionate to what's actually necessary. And so gentleness, a gentle person is a person who takes the time. I mean, literally, if you just like, y'all, this is, this is clutch for email because some of us got trigger fingers on email. We will reply in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? To an email and my wife will pull me to the side and she's, she's just told me, 24-hour rule, write the email, just save it as a draft. Save that joint as a draft, sleep on it and come back and see if you still feel like that is the most appropriate response. Was that the necessary force with your words? And nine times out of 10, I come back to that email and I realize it's not necessary. Proverbs 15.1 says this. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 18 says a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. It's a person that's always ready to pop off. They constantly stir up conflict. But the one who is patient calms a quarrel. If you want to grow in gentleness, you got to learn how to interrogate your instincts. You have to ask yourself two questions. Is this necessary and will this be helpful? And sometimes, y'all, we just don't want to do that. 
You know what I'm saying? We just want to respond emotionally, but to grow in gentleness, to be more and more like Jesus. And I would say to effectively move in the world, we need to consider what is the most appropriate response, not just be driven by our first emotional response. Here's number two. A gentle person is willing to yield to others rather than always demanding their way. And this is why that word gentleness, if you look at the, like the English Standard Version, the word gentleness is translated reasonableness. And the reason for that is because this concept of being willing to yield is at the core of what this Greek word means. Uh, it's a, a picture of a person who doesn't always have to assert their opinion. They don't always have to demand their rights in every situation. It's a person who doesn't always have to push back. They don't always have to fight for what they deserve, but is able to and is often even eager to pull back, to yield to other people. This is actually one of the qualifications that's required in order to be in church leadership, to be an elder. First Timothy chapter three, it says that an overseer in the church, it says it has to be a person that is not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Like everything can't be beef. It can't be smoke over every little thing. We can't always cling to our opinions and preferences and put our foot down on every single issue. A gentle person is a person who has learned to be able to yield to others instead of always demanding their way. That's part of what it looks like to be gentle. And I want you to just think about some, some, some of your family. Think about, think about relationships that you have. Think about teams you've been on at work where nobody is willing to give in. It becomes a toxic environment. Not to mention just unproductive. You can't even get anything done. And so let me ask you this. Are you the kind of person who always expects everybody else to bend toward you? Are you always argumentative and stubborn about everything? Listen, that's not a virtue. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't just chalk that up to being type A. A gentle person, a person who's under the control of the Holy Spirit is someone who is flexible and easy to work with. Listen, not because we don't have opinions, not because we compromise our core convictions, but because like our savior, we are eager to put others' interests ahead of our own. You wanna grow in gentleness, it looks like learning how to yield to other people and not always having to put your foot down on everything. Here's number three. A gentle person is gracious with people's faults and their, and their failures. Now, this word in Philippians 4, 5, that's translated gentleness, it was often used in ancient times for like a ruler or a judge. And it was used in situations where they would use discretion and consider all the different factors in a case or in the particular context before they make a judgment. So sometimes, rather than just automatically giving people the maximum penalty of the law, they would grant leniency. And so it's a picture of grace. Now, let me, let me talk to my detail-oriented people for a minute because I got to come for you, some of y'all, right? And we're thankful for you, you know what I mean? But let me just say, I, I know your life because you, you have two core values in life, precision 
and punctuality. That is some of y'all. God wired you this way. But listen, if, 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 people, if, if, if people are not precise, that joint drives you crazy. If people ain't on time, they missing deadlines and all that type of stuff, you just, you can't even function in that type of environment. And let me just say on behalf of the body of Christ, maybe even on behalf of your job, we are thankful for people like you. We need people like you. But listen, y'all, not just when it comes to like work stuff, but when it comes to church and when it comes to life, sometimes if we're not careful, we can create an environment where people around us constantly feel like they're in a minefield, right? Where it's always letter of the law, where there's no margin for error at all, no grace, it's on site at all times. It is swift and harsh judgment and condemnation and reaction over every fault, every failure, every mistake. And listen, is that how your family or your spouse or your roommates or your coworkers, is that, is that how they feel when they're around you? Because God calls us to be gentle and that looks like being gracious with people's faults and their failures. What about when somebody personally offends us? What about times where it has nothing to do with us, but we see sin in somebody else's life? Specifically within the church, Galatians chapter six, verse one, it says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, listen, you who are spiritual should restore him, listen, in a spirit of gentleness, not with unnecessary force, not just with this kind of pharisaical attitude, this self-righteous attitude that says, listen, I done had everything straight my whole life and I don't struggle, so when you struggle, then I just come for you heavy-handed. No, we come to people in sin and we do it gently because a gentle person, they lovingly confront sin, but because of grace, they do it without crushing the sinner. It is not unnecessary roughness when it comes to other people's sin. And y'all, we see this lived out in the life of Jesus. You remember when he handles the woman, how he handles the situation when that woman is caught in adultery. Like y'all, she was guilty, point blank. Now, a whole nother sermon on why they didn't bring the man as well. But they brought this woman before Jesus. They gather everybody in the community and say, listen, y'all grab your stones. And they gather around this woman. They drag her before Jesus. And they say, Jesus, the law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say we should do? And there's so much going on in that passage. But here's what I want to point out. There's a mob of people ready to stone this woman. And you know what? Jesus does not join the mob. He doesn't join the mob. In fact, what Jesus does is, is he creates a safe environment for this woman. He holds the mob of, of condemners off and he creates an environment of grace where she can hear the truth without condemnation. And he does give her the truth but he gives it to her in this context of grace. He is gracious with her failure. He is gracious with her faults. And this is how Jesus is with every single one of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's because Jesus has been and continues to be gracious with your failures and faults. 
And if you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, maybe you're exploring Christianity and you still have questions. You got to understand this about God, that God is not just this police officer that's just standing over you, waiting to condemn you and judge you. In fact, John says that God sent Jesus into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus is gracious with your sin and with your faults, just like he is mine. And he gives us space to hear the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the matter is that, yes, we do deserve judgment for our sin. And if we stand face to face before God in our sin, then we will experience the condemnation that we deserve. The good news, though, of Christianity is that God has made this announcement to the world that he sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins. And he rose Jesus from the grave so that we don't have to pay the penalty for our own sin. We can rest. We can put our full trust in Jesus to receive grace, to be forgiven, to be given a brand new start and a new relationship with God, not just now, but for all of eternity. Jesus is gracious and gentle with our failures and our faults, but not just with our failures and our faults. He's gentle with our weaknesses and our wounds and he calls us to be the same way. That's this next point that a gentle person is careful with other people's weaknesses and wounds. Man, you see that in Matthew chapter 11. I love this picture of gentleness where Jesus says, come to me. All who are, who labor and are heavy laden, heavily burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen, he says, here's why. Here's why you should follow my leadership. He says, because I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I will not use unnecessary force. I will not be unnecessarily rough and insensitive with your weaknesses and your wounds. Those things that have produced trauma in your life, those areas of sensitivity, those places of brokenness in your heart. Jesus says that he is gentle with those areas. In fact, that's how the Messiah was, was described, that the Messiah that would come, which we know is Jesus, look at how the Messiah was described in Isaiah 42. He says, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. That's how God is with us, y'all. Like in our weaknesses and in our woundedness, that God is not just like a tyrant. He is not just like your personal trainer, you know what I'm saying? Who's just like, yo, get up and let's keep it moving. No, no, God is gentle and he is tender with our weaknesses and our wounds. And he calls us to be that way toward other people. And sometimes, y'all, sometimes because of our own woundedness, sometimes because we have this toxic view of masculinity or, or hardness, right, where we can be extremely insensitive and rough with other people's weaknesses and wounds. And a gentle person learns with the help of God's spirit to be gentle with people's weaknesses and their wounds. Not just in what we say, but in how we say it. Here's number five. A gentle person, this one is a hard one for me, y'all. A gentle person chooses to respond to injustice without vengeance or bitterness. 
And I was talking to Jordan about this uh, because I shared this message with our church. And I just told him, man, I didn't really want to preach this passage, especially in the midst of what we're going through in our country right now. Over and over and over again, seeing black men and black women killed by police officers or others in ways where we don't see justice. We're still waiting on them to to bring Breonna Taylor's murderers to justice. And so there are times where we see injustice or we directly experience injustice and gentleness means that we make a choice to respond to injustice without vengeance or without bitterness. And I struggle with this verse because sometimes y'all in my flesh, in my sin, I want to express my anger in destructive ways, not in order to help fix what's wrong, but just in order to bring harm to people who did what's wrong. Sometimes I want to respond in that way. But listen, other times, y'all, listen, I think this can be a righteous reason. I, I hesitate to lean into verses like this when we talk about injustice because when gentleness is misunderstood, man, it can easily be manipulated. And we've seen this over and over again throughout history. Over and over again, we have seen situations throughout history where people have used, usually people in power, have used gentleness and kindness as a way to silence hurting and oppressed people. For some people, be kind, be gentle is a way of saying Don't make a fuss about your pain. Don't inconvenience us with your claims of injustice. And so abuse victims are asked not to ruffle any feathers. People suffering under inequality are asked to just maintain the status quo, especially if you're a Christian. You should be gentle. You should be kind. Don't make a whole bunch of noise. And so I struggled honestly with this verse because I want to ignore it sometimes. But listen, Jesus won't let me ignore this verse. This is written into a context where Christians are experiencing oppression and persecution and injustice under the Roman Empire. And in that context, Paul, who is in prison because of injustice, says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And so as those who follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to respond to injustice without vengeance or bitterness. And that's a struggle, but this is not just one verse or even just a principle in the Bible. It is a, it is a theme throughout the entire Bible. I mean, you see it in verses like 2 Timothy 2 where it talks about leadership And it talks about not being quarrelsome. Talks about correcting your opponents with gentleness. And let me read this one part of 2 Timothy 2 verse uh, verse 25. It says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And listen, it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Listen, here's why I read that verse. Here's why I read that verse, because this just says you want to correct your opponents. So correct them, but do it with gentleness. Why? Because they might repent. Here's the only reason I read that verse, even for my own heart. Because listen, y'all, sometimes we can be so angry about injustice that if we're honest, we don't even want that person to repent. 
We don't even want them to repent because that would mean we're no longer allowed to, to cling to our anger in that moment. And listen, some of you have been so angry for so long that it's all you know. Maybe you were even raised to be angry toward that person. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's somebody else in your life. Or some of us have been raised to just be constantly angry at this group of people. James Baldwin says to be black in America is to be in a constant state of rage. That's a fact. But the fact of the matter is that this is a theme throughout Scripture. You read Romans chapter 12 and it talks about not repaying evil for evil. And I want to be clear. I want to be absolutely clear because I don't think God is telling people who suffer abuse and, and injustice to never do anything about it. Because Romans chapter 13, Paul himself also describes the government as, listen, as an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So we should expect the justice system to do its job and we should hold it accountable to that. For sure, I don't think God is saying when we, when we talk about responding to injustice without vengeance or bitterness, that that means that we don't do anything about injustice. But listen to me, there is a difference between justice and vengeance. There's a difference. And as followers of Jesus, Vengeance is not ours. God claims vengeance for himself. He calls us to pursue justice, but without bitterness or vengeance. And y'all, this is tough. This is difficult, but here's where I want us to land. As we think about how we respond with gentleness in the midst of injustice or in any other area of our life that we've been talking about, what I want us to understand is that we do not follow a savior who, who doesn't understand what this is like. I think this is part of why Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, that Jesus is close. He is near to us. He is with us. And he one day is going to return. And Jesus is the Lord who understands what it's like to suffer injustice, what it's like to be personally offended, to be opposed, but to respond with gentleness. First Peter chapter two, verse 23, it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. In other words, and this is our last point, a gentle person, and I change this to gentle Christian because this is specific to those of us that are following Christ. A gentle Christian is somebody who is constantly depending on God. Here's why, because that's the only way we can continue to display the kind of gentleness that God calls us to. We have to be depending on God. That's what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. He was looking to God the Father who he knew would one day vindicate him. And we know that because he now has a name that's above every name. Even though Jesus experienced some disrespect, disrespect didn't have the last word. Jesus stood up for what was right by dying on the cross. And in doing so, he overcame the powers of the enemy on our behalf. Jesus wasn't soft or weak. We see that throughout the Bible. But Jesus did display the godly quality of gentleness. And he calls us to do so depending on God, trusting that God is ultimately the one 
who will vindicate us. We will not lose out on being gentle. I'm not talking about being soft or weak or passive. I'm talking about removing unnecessary force in order to accomplish what's right. We will not lose out because God will not let us lose out. And I think about, and I want to pray for us, but I think about Fannie Lou Hamer who exemplified this. This, this gentleness, even in the face of injustice. Some of you know who Fannie Lou Hamer was. She was a Christian woman and civil rights activist and she was wrongfully arrested in Mississippi, brutally beaten in the booking room. And then in her cell, she was brutalized, physically, sexually brutalized. And when she was released from jail, Fannie Lou Hamer looked to the white police officer who was escorting her and he said to her, listen, this question, this is what I mean by constantly depending on the Lord. He said, she said this to him. She said, do you people ever think or wonder how you'll feel when the time comes you'll have to meet God? That's what she said to one of the officers that brutalized her. Oh, she was a civil rights activist. Fannie Lou Hamer, we, we revere her today because of her willingness to step into injustice and fight for justice, but she did it in a way that honored God. And the reason she was able to do that was because she knew that God was not gonna leave her hanging, that those who had victimized and abused her, even if she was not able to get justice in this life, which she was fighting for, she knew that there was a God who would one day bring justice, not just in general, but in very specific ways. And listen, you and I, the reason we can be gentle with people who annoy us or do us wrong is because we know there is a God who does not let stuff slide and they will receive the judgment of God, either just in conviction that leads them to repentance or one day face to face with God. But God is not going to let any sin against us slide. And so listen, you and I, have an opportunity in the midst of cancel culture, in the midst of a society that is constantly coming for each other. We have the privilege to represent the kingdom of God, to step into culture, not as passive and weak, but to step in the culture with strength from the Holy Spirit and God's word to fight for justice and to fight for what is right. And yet to do it in a distinctly Christian way as reflecting the gentleness that we experience from our Lord Jesus. Let me pray for God to help us in that. Father, we thank you so much that you are gentle with us. And God, I pray, Lord, in, in, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our work relationships, Lord, with dudes on the street, with systems and authorities that are unjust. Lord God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to be gentle. Give us wisdom to know what is the necessary force in order to accomplish what's right. God, we need your help by your Holy Spirit to do that. And I pray, God, for anybody who does not have a personal relationship with you, Leah, I pray that you would draw their hearts to you, God that they will understand clearly who you are in the gospel and that you, God, would save them and that they would begin a relationship with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.